Hi, it's Jeannie Reisick. Welcome to my third podcast. In case you missed it, the first one was on open versus closed adoption. The second one was on how to talk to kids about adoption. This one is about grief and loss in adoption. So what we want to get across here is that adoption is based on grief and loss. And I know that statement might sound kind of discouraging, but it, it's really no good and true to acknowledge that. So we'll talk about why that is, and I'll explain how whatever's gained by adoption doesn't really cancel the loss experience, and that loss is experienced by everybody in the adoption triad. So grief and loss really accompanies both parents, adoptive families, as well as adoptees. So everybody in the adoption triad. With adoptive families, they have a loss of fertility, the ability to conceive, being able to be pregnant, giving birth. They have a loss of control in the bedroom with the medical profession, the IVF whole scenario can be a roller coaster. It's pretty tough. And with the adoption agency, because when we come in and do our home studies, we're delving into their sex life, into their marriage, into their family of origin. They feel like they don't have a lot of privacy left. And with birth mothers, um, when they're dealing with a young birth mother or birth family, they hold the power. It's their baby. And there's always a question, you know, will she relinquish they have a loss of that imaginary child born to them. They really don't have a blood relative, and that's a big loss. So birth moms and families are aware that in a perfect world, birth parents wouldn't have to be placing their child, and families would not be put in the position of becoming parents through adoption. So we don't want it to be second best. We try to help them see that that's not really good. But um, I suppose on some level, on an unconscious level, it's probably always their second best. But we work on that a lot in our agency with the education class because we understand that they have to actually, birth parents and families really have to go through the stages of grief. So they go through the denial, the anger, the sadness, and the acceptance. And it's just kind of like there's no way out but through. So kind of a cliche thing to say, but it's so true. So for families, it's necessary for them to go through those stages because the losses need to be dealt with before they adopt. And they need time to heal before adopting because of all those losses. We know that unresolved fertility can have long-term impacts for the family because it can and probably will come up again like There'll be a birth announcement in the mail. A friend will get pregnant. It can come up with the families, of course, in the hospital when they experience the fact that they did not give birth. They were not able to give birth. It comes up when they meet a birth mom or birth family that this is their child. So the loss is pretty much always there. And mental health professionals are pretty aware that problems with adoptees, birth parents, and adoptive families are due to that unresolved loss. So that's why we try to help them so much with that. And we really encourage families in our education group there with other families, so they're all kind of in the same boat. 
we encourage them to be honest with themselves about how much infertility is still a source of pain for them. Because I think it always will be, from what I understand in talking with these families. But they have a baby, so that takes away a lot. Also, families have made me aware that they notice how society doesn't really understand their loss because it's intangible. They don't really talk about it. I mean, they might talk about it with their doctor. They talk about it when it comes up when the agency who is delving into their lives. It's important. And in our classes, we used to actually have them. This might sound really sad. It really is kind of sad, but it's also really great that we would have them in the first class that the person that's doing their adoption home study did the class. And she made, uh, they did a letter saying goodbye to their baby that they conceived together. So that was tough. A lot of tears in that class. For birth parents, when I say birth parents, I'm usually speaking about the birth mother. I'm not saying that birth fathers aren't around experiencing some of the same feelings, but in my experience, I pretty much only worked with the birth moms. Dads weren't in the picture most of the time. They were sometimes, but not most. For birth moms, the grief and loss, of course, obviously is profound. She has excruciating pain of the loss of the child, the child she carried on every level, physically, psychologically, and emotionally. She's supposed to be going home from the hospital with her baby. Working with these young women, I witness the extreme and intense pain and grief and loss they experience, and actually, I never really could grasp how they did it. It took the most strength I could even imagine and the most selflessness and love for that child to let go and actually walk out of the hospital without her baby and actually put that child above herself. It was quite amazing to see. I know when I was present for that incredibly emotional event, there was never a dry eye and hospital staff, myself, birth family, adoptive family. It was really intense, as you can imagine. I will say that it was worse when we weren't doing open adoption, of course, because at that point, they weren't all walking out of the hospital together. They hadn't made a plan. Again, as I've said many times, open adoption is more humane. In this scenario, it can be tricky, though, in the hospital because the family's taking the baby directly to their home from the hospital, and the birth mom's going home with empty arms. The family feels a need to bond with that baby, of course, which is natural. They want to. They probably have already fallen in love with the baby. But it's still the birth mom's until she relinquishes which in Colorado, she probably didn't go to court for several weeks. So the family, of course, was on edge all that time, wondering if she was going to change her mind. At the same time, the birth mom might have the need to communicate with the family and maybe need to see her baby. So that child has gone home with the family, and birth mom goes home to nothing sometimes. That's where the support really is needed. I'm going to say it over and over, but it's 24-7 at that time. She probably, at that point, will need to be reassured that the baby's okay. Talked about how important counseling and education is. Here's where this is so important. 
family and the birth mom, they've probably talked about how things are going to go before the delivery. They've kind of made a plan, but best laid plans because a lot of times they fall apart. They talk about who's going to call who and if bird mom's going to go see the baby at their home or is family going to take the baby to her. You know, hopefully try to talk about all these things, but with how intense the grief and loss she's feeling, she sometimes just regresses and sometimes she just needs to make her adoption plan all over again. I mean, when she makes her plans, she distances herself emotionally from the baby. But when she experiences giving birth and sees that child, even though she thought she was going to be okay, she's completely unprepared for what she experiences and what she feels. So she might be having second thoughts. She might be needing to see her baby all the time. A lot of times birth moms have told me when they go to the family and do see the baby and the surroundings with the family and how much that child is loved and how happy she's made the family. It helps a little, but you can't get rid of that pain. It's just too intense. And of course, the family's witnessing her pain. They have mixed feelings because they've already fallen in love with the baby and they have gotten to know the birth mom over time and they care so much about her. They feel guilty for the pain she's in. So it's a tough time for everybody here. Again, I'm going to say open adoption helps because you've got open, honest, hopefully honest communication between them. And hopefully they've had time with each other beforehand so that they've talked about a lot of these things. And it, you can't prepare enough. I mean, in counseling and education groups, we try to prepare everybody for all the scenarios that they might experience, but you just can't prepare them totally. And Sometimes birth moms don't even have any support systems whatsoever, so it's just so much worse for them. So that's where we come in as birth parent counselors. And again, like I said, we're there 24-7 at that point because she's up and down and emotions and feelings and grief and loss, and it's tough. Again, with open adoption, though, I mean, it does ease with time, especially if she has a relationship with that family. That's just key, like we've talked about before, open adoption, open adoption. Now we'll talk about the adoptee. You know, the child comes into the world with a loss. She's separated from all that was familiar for nine months. The voice, the heartbeat, the smell, the touch. The child has an emotional cellular connection to the birth mom. The adoptee's loss is hardly ever talked about. This loss, too, can be intangible. And everything kind of appears to be fine on the surface sometimes. Sometimes the adoptee doesn't really speak or show at some deep level, maybe on an unconscious level or maybe not. Maybe she's becoming aware of her feelings. But on some level, she has felt that she doesn't belong, that she's different from others in the family, that she doesn't fit in. Maybe she doesn't look like anybody in the family. The feelings can be really vague, or as a child is more self-aware, or an older person, old and adoptee, becomes more self-aware, they do become aware of these feelings, and it's so important that they're able to talk about it. The parents may really never know, and the adoptee may not really be aware or on, of conscious about why she's feeling the way she is. So that's why, as we talked about 
in the last podcast when we talked about how to talk to children about adoption. That's why you have to start with that day one. And if need be, then maybe that adoptee needs to talk with someone about these feelings. The best that can be done really for families, for everybody, is to recognize and verbalize honestly and openly the reality that in adoption, the adoptee is really a separate biological identity, really, from the family. And it's okay to talk about that and acknowledge it. When sometimes the adoptee will say things like, you know, why do I have uh, red hair? Or why do I have these hips? (laughs) So what we know from the research, though, is mainly on adult adoptees who were damaged by closed adoption system how much better it is when they have all the information. So we as adoption professionals really need to encourage families to recognize and especially validate their child's pain and loss because, I don't know whether you've ever thought about this, but we are a pain-avoiding society. And you see it so many places where you find it in the workplace. Well, you can have a couple days off when your husband died, but you know, you need to get back to work, and we're not real good at allowing grief and loss in our society. So going back to my last podcast, remember how I talked about uh, how to talk to kids about adoption? We know that will be the most valuable thing for a family to do with for their child is to share all of that child's history with them in an honest way, open way, and at the appropriate time, like we talked about. With no holding back, all information shared. Now, that's if you have the information. Because I don't know if you remember us talking about Elena, the eight-year-old who went upstairs and cried at her birthday party because she was wondering if her birth mom was thinking about her and how the family, the mom, was so perceptive and insightful and answered that child and gave her permission to cry and be sad and maybe even mad. So if you don't have information like Elena didn't, that's one of the hardest things there is. But on the other hand, remember we talked about Stacy, who became a part of the adoptive family and was able at at 11 when she had her adoptive child in her wedding, she was able to uh, have that conversation. And the adoptee who has that is so lucky definitely deserves it if it's possible. And it's great for both the adoptee and the birth mom. So just stressing here about honest, open communication, even if the information you're presenting isn't always positive, which certainly is the case sometimes. I'd like to read something that I read to my birth mom groups where there were girls that were planning adoption and some were had already planned the adoption and already relinquished. So some, as I mentioned, have little support systems in their life, but in a group like this, they can relate to each other and empathize with each other and help each other. So that group was extremely valuable, and I did it for years. I had birth mom groups for years, And I still have contact with some of those young women who expressed to me how valuable it was for them. So I'm going to read you something I read in the group with the girls. Grief is a very individual experience, even as it is a universal reality. 
At some point in our lives, we will all lose something or someone that is held dear to us, and it will make a significant impact on who we are and how we understand the world. But the things I know about grief is that, while painful, it can ultimately lead to a deeper appreciation for life and living. In the end, this can only strengthen our resolve and lead to meaningful, full lives, period. So I read that, and I know it made an impression on me, and it seemed to make quite a good impression on uh, the young women that I read it to. I also read for in the Birth Mom group a quote, which seemed very apropos. Deep grief sometimes is almost like a specific location, a coordinate on a map of time. When you are standing in that forest of sorrow, you cannot imagine that you could ever find your way to a better place. But if someone can assure you that they sometimes have stood in that same place and now have moved on, sometimes that will bring hope. That was a quote the girls seemed to identify with as well. There was another one for birth moms and then one for family. For birth moms, they liked this. You will heal and you will rebuild yourself around the loss you have suffered. You will be whole again, but you will never be the same, nor should you be the same, nor would you want to. That was Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. When I read that in the birth mom group, they somebody brought that in, I think, to our group. It seemed to mean a lot to them. For families, every one of us is losing something precious to us we read in Adoptive Family Group. Lost opportunities, lost possibilities, feelings we can never get back again. That's part of what it means to be alive. Thanks, guys, for participating with me. Next podcast, I will have some really great guests. So hopefully you can get lots of questions answered. Until next time, bye-bye.